0: Hello and welcome to the Transfer Window, the podcast which repeatedly brings you the news before it becomes news, as well as in and analysis into all the subjects you're talking about in football. I've been with me as usual is Duncan. Castles, a man who has caused waves, indeed large waves, surfing type waves across the world of football in the last few days, with regards to his exclusive information regarding Manchester United and of course the sacking of Alde Gunnar Solskjaer. And today, of course, we have the latest on that particular subject regarding who may or may not replace him, as well as Manchester United's plans to uh, remedy the situation in which they find themselves, which of course is uh, coachless, um, but intending to employ an interim head coach until such time that they make their mind up with regards to What's coming next? News also on Chelsea and Manchester City. However, of course, we begin at Old Trafford, where um it seems that United are determined to appoint Ralph Ranić, the former RB Leipzig uh Head coach who currently finds himself the subject of his bit of a tug of war, Duncan, with regards to his role and what he might be doing um, in terms of becoming an employee of Manchester United. However, things are not as straightforward as they seem because here at the transfer window, as usual, we have the up to date and exclusive. Information where things sit right now regarding the German, who this week was called uh, by Dave Kidd of The Sun as the German Alan Kerbishley. Um, I'm not sure what that actually means. However, I, <laughs> it would be worth getting kiddo on just to explain that. Um, very intriguing um, acronym that he has given to Ranić. Uh, so Duncan, um, what we know for sure is that the pursuit of uh, the, uh, the coach is alive and certainly one which is vigorous on United's behalf. What we as yet are to find out as whether or not they're going to be successful um, in appointing him as interim head coach until the end of the season. And one of the reasons for that is because uh, it is our understanding that Ranić has maybe ambitions beyond the end of this particular term of reference that he's being offered um, in regard to what his job description may be. Please do tell us what you know.
1: So Manchester United want him to be interim and um, the response, I think, from the Manchester United support has been extremely positive. The response from the world of football has been positive. You have people like Jurgen Klopp talking about how it's a bad thing for Liverpool that um, Ranić will be coming to coach in the Premier League. As he put it, United will be organised on the pitch. That's not good use for other teams. Um, The complication... Is and and Raniak expects to be coach. He's he's telling uh, friends who are asking about it that he expects to be a, in work at Manchester United next week after um a problem has been resolved in the in finalising the terms of his contract with United. He's currently employed by Lokomotiv Moscow. As a a, a kind of sports director, he's working on a consultancy basis. He's not based in Russia all the time. He's spending about two weeks per month in uh, Russia working on the locomotive project. He's very well paid there. Um, Salary, I'm told, a locomotive of 5 million euros net, um, which is a reflection of the quality of work. He has um, achieved in the Red Bull organisation, both being coach and sports director uh, at um, Coaching Leipzig, but looking after the whole group of clubs, including Red Bull Salzburg. Previously um, taking Hoffenheim from the third division, third tier in Germany to the, the Bundesliga. Um, success at other clubs um, such as Schalke, Uh, and Hanover, a long uh, coaching career. Not many trophies, but um, consistently improving the quality of uh, performances, playing aggressive, um, high-pressing football, Uh, a model, someone who's inspired, Jurgen Klopp and uh, Thomas Tuchel and a range of other successful coaches in Germany. The quality of his football knowledge ability to implement is not in doubt. The issue, as I understand it, is that Manchester United wanted him to be interim um, and wanted to hold their options as to who they would bring in in the summer. Uh, As we've told you in the Transfer Window podcast, they attempted to hire Zidane as a replacement for Solskjaer. Zinedine Zidane was offered the job, took Uh, Quite a long time to to discuss it. A number of conversations with people at Manchester United about it. Eventually decided and told Manchester United after they'd sacked Solskjaer, I don't want to take this job. Um, My preference is to become France national team coach. Thank you for the offer. United then moved on to Maurizio Pochettino um, as a permanent replacement for Solskjaer. Pochettino clearly wanted that job, pushed very hard, uh, got the message out that he was ready to leave Paris Saint-Germain immediately. And as we discussed in the previous podcast, this was about whether Qatar would allow him to leave now. um, They are not particularly happy with him as a coach. Uh, They have reservations about the way it's working with him in charge of the, the stellar attack of Lionel Messi, Kylian Mbappe and Neymar. But ultimately, they decided, as um, as I think we felt they might do, that they wanted to control the situation. They wanted to say when Pochettino left and under what conditions he left. Um, and they prevented him uh, leaving at following the, their defeat to Manchester City in the Champions League in midweek and and taking up the position at United, which forced United to offer the interim role to Ranić, who was, um, by the accounts coming out of Old Trafford, the most impressive of the individuals they interviewed for that role. They had a lot of names proposed to them. Amongst the individuals they interviewed were Rudy Garcia, uh, Ernesto Valverde, the the former Barcelona coach, um, for the interim role. Interestingly, I was told that of those two, only Garcia would be interested in taking it on an interim basis. Valverde actually wanted the position on a permanent um, basis, which befits his uh, success at Barcelona and his and his previous job. Actually, the idea that you take a coach who'd, who'd won multiple league titles um, at an elite football club uh, on an interim basis till the summer was was kind of an odd one. And and there is an element of this here with Ranić. Um, Ranić does not want to be simply the coach who comes in to solve the problems that United currently face, take them to the summer, qualify them for the Champions League, and allow uh, the Glazers a decision on who becomes the permanent boss. He is asking for a, an extension um, deal for another two years um, beyond the, the period that takes him to the end of the season. The question mark is what exactly that will involve. Um, if you talk to people who know Ranyuk well, they say there's a possibility that Ranyuk will want to carry on as manager. Um, If it goes well for him in this period, he's, he's being granted control of one of the most powerful squads in world football, a far bigger budget than anything he's ever had to work with before at previous clubs, a chance to implement all his ideas for the, not just for the running of a football team, but for the running of a football club. Um, potentially he could step away from the coaching role and move to a de facto sports director role which of course he's done very successfully at Leipzig in the past and therefore um, appoint his choice of coach who plays his style of football um, who allows him to reorganise Manchester United along the lines he'd like to um, to turn them into a successful modern football team. Again, I think you can look at some of the things that that Ranyuk has said recently Um, in recent interviews with the English press. um, He gave a, a very interesting interview to a friend of the podcast, Jonathan Northcroft, earlier this year in which he talked about the offer Chelsea made. Um, to him very similar to the one that's being presented by Manchester United that he take over from Frank Lampard and see them to the end of the 2021 season an offer he rejected and this these are his words I said I would love to come and work with you but I cannot do it for four months I am not an interim coach to the media and players you would be the four month manager a lame duck from day one Now, go back a year previously and to uh, a 2019 interview he did with Ben Littleton for The Guardian, where he was asked whether he'd be interested in the sporting director role at Old Trafford. And he said this, if any club wanted to speak to me, the question would have to be, can I be somebody who can influence areas of development across the whole club? Otherwise, you're only getting half of what I'm capable of if after that you can work together in a trustworthy and respectful way then you are more likely to be successful so i think you can see from that this is this is Ranić's own words talking about being an interim coach and talking about being sports director of manchester united that his demands are high his expectations are high and this for him is not a half season deal this for him is an opportunity he's been waiting for probably for his own whole life to have a significant role, the most important role in one of the biggest clubs in English football and use his qualities as a football professional to make them successful again. Ian, I think you can fill us in on, on what some of the thinking is at Manchester United and in the, in the corridors of power and the background to the decision they have to make over um, how they set it up with Ranyuk, they want him in as coach, the expectation is he'll come in as coach, but exactly how far do they go in terms of handing over the the keys to Old Trafford to this um, man who's, who's only really being chosen because their previous plan to stick with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has had to be scrapped because results became unbearably bad under him.
0: Well, there are two factors at work here, Duncan. Um, one is uh, Manchester United's pursuit of a different candidate to be a permanent head coach, which include, as we reported in the podcast and have um, consistently reported, include uh, the names of Maurizio Pochettino, uh, who's currently unavailable at Paris Saint-Germain for all the reasons that you have listed, and also Brendan Rodgers, who is... Uh, recalcitrant with regards to jumping ship halfway in the season on the basis that failure uh this season seems almost um inevitable um without the opportunity to um build a team in a longer window, which of course is a summer transfer window next year, um and does not want to be tarred the same brush as does not Pochettino, as Solskjaer um has created that particular um environment of failure which pervades uh Manchester United since the departure of Sir Alex Ferguson. So um that's one of the things that's going on here. Ranić himself has a sense of self value with regards to, as you um pointed out, um He has yet, in his career, he believes had the opportunity to exercise what he believes is his own talent uh, for what it is uh, in the sense that he's never occupied um, a high-profile job at an elite club, despite the fact that he has a reputation which precedes him, which has brought him to the point of becoming interim coach of Manchester United. Now, against this background, this is the second factor and a very important one. It's our information here at the transfer window that there is something of, uh, let's just say, a frictional um, relationship which has developed the seat of power at Old Trafford, and by that we know that Ed Woodward, the executive vice chairman, who has been in charge of decision making at the highest level. On the mandate of the Glazer family for so many years now is outgoing. Um, He is on good terms with his successor, who is Richard Arnold, and Richard Arnold, Arnold has been anointed as the new head of decision making at Manchester United. Now, there have been rumours, there have been uh, stories, there have been briefings with regards to uh what Arnold's position is and what Woodward's position is, given the uh, ascension of Arnold to the throne of power. And we understand here at the transfer window that Arnold is not particularly pleased at the um notion that. Woodward has been briefing, or privately, and it's got into the public domain, that he may stay on, in order to assist Aid Stroke, um, be involved in the decision-making process of the next permanent head coach, stroke manager of Manchester United, because as far as Arnold's concerned, that is his mandate, not Woodward's, and Woodward has proven himself to be clearly someone who is not up to that particular job, given United's status and the lack of trophies that they have achieved uh, under his stewardship outside of Jose Mourinho. So um, we are looking at a situation whereby not only is the next head coach or interim, in the case of Ranić, um unsure about where he stands going forward, but also the decision-making process itself is being fudged by a bit of a power struggle between Woodward and Arnold. Now, if I'm Ranyak, or indeed if I'm anyone else, if I'm Joe Bloggs coming into this particular situation, I'm not going to feel particularly comfortable. Who's giving me uh, instruction and who is actually in charge of doing the will of the owners, who, of course, we know are um, mute um, their uh, influence or certainly making it public what they believe is the right way forward for the club. So it's a mess, which is of United's own creating um, in terms of repeating the mistakes of the past. It's a mess as well in terms of Uh, creating a situation whereby people do not know where they stand in regards to the priority and also the um, future in terms of planning the club itself. Ranyuk is taking advantage of this, and why shouldn't he? He is the man in demand, and he is making his own uh, choices clear with regards to what he wants. Now, Duncan... We've both been around the industry and the game a long time. If you are Ranić and you come in as an interim, and let's just say he does agree to the terms and says, okay, I'll be boss until you know May 30th or whatever, but does a stellar job, gets him into the Champions League, who knows, maybe he even wins a trophy. But then it's said to him, right, you must give up this job now because you know, it's earmarked for someone else, then A, what will the fans say? B, Reinic himself will say, well, hang on a second, I deserve a shot at this because this is my birthright and I have earned the ability, you know, the chance to continue as head coach. And you get a whole different set of problems uh, to the one that you have in appointing in the first place. And it just seems to me like, you know, United are, you know, for want of a better phrase, they're making a
1: pig's ear of it. I think look, let's be charitable to Manchester United here for once and say What? They are giving <laughs> they're giving themselves an opportunity if they can get Ranyuk to sign on the dotted line and it looks like he will. He certainly expects to be there next week, regardless of the problems that have to be solved before it can be formally announced. They're giving themselves okay. to have a look and see and uh and assess whether this is the right way to go forward. That's the charitable interpretation. The realistic interpretation is they still can't make a proper decision. um Granik, talking to people in football about him, I think this is, it's clearly a massive upgrade in Uligun or Solskjaer, but pretty much anyone would be an upgrade in Uligun or Solskjaer. That's not the difficult part. But what they have here is someone who, if they see control to him, if they listen to him, has the opportunity to fundamentally reorganize the mess they've got themselves into post Sir Alex Ferguson, the mess they've created with the cultural reboot story that they built around Solsha. It wasn't ever planned. It just, oh, well, we have this man in charge. Let's tell a story, a PR story about why he's the right man to be in charge and how this is our route to progress. Well, that's been demonstrated to be utterly fallacious uh, and and they are a mess. They have suffered some of their worst results ever. They have players desperate for a, a change in management. Um, they have been forced into this decision. And the decision they're taking at the moment is not their preferred decision. They tried to hire Zidane. They tried to hire Pochettino. Now they're going for the interim approach and they want to, to have their um, their uh, their German cake and eat potentially their Argentinian cake in the summer. Stolen. Exactly. To be, to be seasonal. <laughs> and more reason one stolen so so you <laughs> you they've, they've centered upon and they've got the interest of someone who can make that revolution that's required who can take the resource that manchester united have and organize them top to bottom to get better performances from every area of the club and and most importantly better performances on the pitch and he will play a style of football that will appeal to manchester united supporters so that there are a lot of boxes ticked here, but this isn't a you know a, a, an organised, structured, well thought out plan. It's oh we tried Zidane that didn't work. We tried Pochettino that hasn't worked for now. Maybe we can still get him. So we take this guy who interviewed exceptionally well, and this is one of the one of the things that's important to know about Ranyuk and the brief from Manchester United is that he was very impressive when he came over this week um, to Manchester. Uh, sorry to london to have a, a discussion about the job um and a, f- a friend of mine well, who i was discussing rang with today he said you you spend 30 minutes talking with him and you say wow this guy is the best in the world and he's not the best in the world but he is very very good but he has has obviously impressed them and charmed them in that meeting and and given them the impression that he's the guy who can solve their short-term problems. They are not convinced clearly that yet that he can solve their long-term problems. Otherwise, it would there wouldn't be a discussion over the elements of the contract. You put him in charge, um, you make him the new manager, uh, you say to him, you are both manager and effectively sports director, which is what you want. And we leave it to you to decide when you want to step down from the lead coaching role and focus on the, the, uh, the sports directing role, which sounds a, a strange setup, but that's actually something he's done in his career already very successfully at, at Red Bull, Red Bull organization, Manchester United, there are different dimensions as a different scenario, but in terms of a CV and experience and, uh, ability with English, um, the quality of person fits but this is not a strategic logical plan it's not being done um, in a way that it should be done it is very much the glazers it's very much Ed Woodward. it's very much the manchester united organization we've seen stumble through um the last eight plus years since sir alex ferguson stepped down as manager um how it goes next going to be fascinating and one one element I think that's important here is to talk about Maurizio Pochettino because Pochettino has made this play to be Manchester United manager, um, briefing aggressively that he was unhappy in Paris and that his family um, were still in England, um, that he wanted to come back to the to the Premier League and if need be he would leave Paris Saint-Germain immediately to take on the role at Manchester United. That play failed. Um, he almost got there because Manchester United pursued it but Paris Saint-Germain blocked it. Um, he is still sitting there as a potential option for Manchester United but he his position at Paris Saint-Germain has been fundamentally weakened by what he tried to do to get out of the club. Qatar know what he was playing at. Um, they are not impressed by what he was playing at. They have taken an approach that they've taken on multiple occasions before with him himself, but also with Kylian Mbappe, which is you do not choose when you leave this football club. You do not choose when you leave our employee. We decide when we want to dispense with your services or whether we want to retain your services, regardless of whether we are unimpressed with you as a coach, which is. Uh, very strong information I have from um, the highest echelons in Qatar. We are not going to be seen to allow you to leave when you choose to leave to go to another job um, at another Champions League club. So sit back in your position and uh, wait for us to make a decision. Information I have from the dressing room at PSG is they know about this. They're aware of this. They talk about the coach being very nervous. Um, they they can see he's not in a good place and they feel that his status within the club is fragile. Um, so if results continue to go poorly for Paris Saint-Germain, there is the possibility that Pochettino will be out of work during the period in which Ranyak is in, in charge of Manchester United and available for Manchester United should the Klazers decide actually, we don't want to go down the long-term route with Ralph Raniuk. This is a guy available now for um, no cost, who we've been pursuing for years. Um, we'll, we'll decide to to go back to that particular plan. Um, having said all this, I should mention that uh, Paris Saint-Germain have gone to the media today um, to address Uh, Pochettino's situation and reports that they were trying to hire Zidane themselves. Their sports director Leonardo talked to the um, the news agency AFP, and he said on record, "I think it's important to clarify the situation given the amount of false information circulating." Maurizio Pochettino is under contract with the club until 2023. We don't want Pochettino to leave. He's never asked to leave, and no club have contacted us in relation to him. Talking about Zidane, he said it was ridiculous to imagine that they had a meeting with Zidane uh, in a Paris hotel in front of the eyes of everyone this week. He said, we have a lot of respect for Zinedine Zidane, what he did as a player and coach, but I can tell you very clearly that there is no contact and that no meeting with him took place. Take those statements as you will. Um, We know that Paris... Saint germain's public statements in the past have proved to be inaccurate and uh, we can tell you that very solidly our information is in this case that statement is inaccurate in the sense that pochettino um did want to leave and there was an attempt to hire him by manchester united over the past week it's a situation which is very fluid duncan that's
0: for sure um it does seem to me um Looking at it, that it is very precarious uh, from Manchester's point of view. Hiring a, a coach like Ranić, who is his own man, knows what he wants, knows what he thinks he deserves, has, a uh, I I said before, a sense of self-worth. And should he prove himself to be worth, uh, what he's been offered will want more than just the next six to seven months in charge of Manchester United. Um, I think what's intriguing, um, and just to throw another iron on the fire here, one which you probably will not welcome Duncan, um, has a very good relationship with one particular Erling Haaland from his time at RP Salzburg. And we know that United uh, persist in their interest in recruiting Haaland from Borussia Dortmund uh, next summer and should Ranik be in place, someone who he's worked with uh, in the past, then that could well be a uh, leverage situation effectively um, sealing a deal that would see the Norwegian international go to Manchester United.
1: Well, if you're talking about relationships with Haaland, they had someone who had a very good relationship with Haaland um, for the last three years uh, and he didn't manage to bring him to the club so I I, I think that he's not
0: he's, he wasn't very good at his job though Duncan
1: no <laughs> but I, like, where does Halland go he goes where um, Mino Raiola receives a huge commission where his father receives a huge commission where he is paid an immense salary and where he thinks the best place to be is as a footballer he is not going to be short of options Um, All the top clubs in Europe are um, looking to sign him. Chelsea had a very strong attempt at picking him off last summer where they had the finances to do it and they failed. Um, As we've told you, Real Madrid have worked extensively on that deal. They want to take Haaland and Mbappe together. They feel that they agreed a a gentleman's agreement with Raiola and Haaland over that last summer that you would move there. They are conscious that a gentleman's agreement with Mino Raiola might not be the the safest one available. But um, whatever leverage Ranić has, he is going to have to do some quite impressive things on the football field. First and foremost of those is to qualify Manchester United for the Champions League. And to, to be able to say to Haaland, you, you you carry on playing in the top competition in football. But on top of that, he's going to have to persuade him and the people around him that that's the best platform for Haaland to to place himself in for the next stage of his career. And, and that's going to make, require a fundamental improvement in Manchester United's um, performances on the field. There's also the issue of you have Cristiano Ronaldo there now um uh with a with a massive financial and uh emotional investment in ronaldo contracted for another year after this with an option for a, a third year um how do you set out a team assuming you can convince Holland to come in which Holland and Cristiano ronaldo are are part of the attack include in addition to all the other elite forwards they have, Jaden Sancho obviously um, with a massive investment in him in the summer, Marcus Rashford. okay, you can let it Cavani go. that's that's probably one of the simplest elements. Um, Mason Greenwood still there. it's it's not the uh, the most straightforward of, of puzzles to solve uh, either internally or more importantly in the competition with with other clubs in Europe.
0: Very true. Um, however, as we know factually, Haaland moved to Borussia Dortmund as a staging post, um, and also as a reason and financial benefit to Mourinho of gaining an initial commission for that particular deal, knowing full well that he would be moving the player um, for the buyout clause, and so Haaland is available and able to transfer for that defined uh, economic value uh, with, of course, Raiola receiving yet another uh, commission, which would be twice as much, if not more, than the one received from moving the player to German football in the first place. So uh, there is a possibility uh, involved with regards to Haaland's feature Um, both for Manchester United and, as you point out, Duncan, other clubs as well. Maybe, just maybe, Raiola will um, allow his client to do the best thing for his career, rather than the best things for Mina Raiola and his bank account. We shall see. Um, Another player, Duncan, who is extremely... Uh, talented, uh, in demand, but apparently not in favour at his current club, is Raheem Sterling. Um, strangely, uh, he's a player who has been very much limited in his starting places in the Premier League this season at the Etihad. Uh However, he retains the favour of England manager Gareth Southgate, who continues to select him in his starting lineup in almost every match in World Cup qualification. But also, as we've reported in the podcast previously, someone who is looking at his options and who has stalled on and now uh, broken off negotiations in terms of an extension to his current contract at City. He's done so on the basis that he does not believe that Pep Guardiola has faith in him. That has been borne out, obviously, by his um, game time minutes uh, so far. Although he does seem to appear regularly in Champions League matches, that's not the case in the Premier League. City certainly are let's just say, overstocked in the attacking midfield area uh, with regards to their options. And that in itself has been a frustration for Sterling. It's our information at the Transfer Window podcast that Sterling is becoming more and more agitated by that lack of game time and that he sees the Qatar World Cup In December of next year as being something of importance, but also a focus for himself with regards to how he achieves his starting place with England. Now, um, Manchester City, as we have reported, are keen to tie That is the club, not Guardiola, the club to a new long-term deal as they see him as a valuable asset both as a player first and foremost especially with Guardiola's exit um, almost etched in stone for 18 months from now um, and that therefore Sterling would be potentially part of the next coach's uh, future planning with regards to his position but as Guardiola does not at this moment in time, um, have him on his roster of first choices, then uh, what do they do in terms of trying to satisfy the player? It's the case, we understand, that his representatives have met with Manchester City and then saying to them that their player does not wish to uh, continue or indeed explore an extension on his contract that instead they would prefer to explore the option of a loan deal, which they, not Manchester City, they would like uh, to begin in the January window. Now, um, whether or not that's possible, it remains to be seen, but there are several interested parties, including Arsenal. Um, we know that Sterling himself turned down the opportunity to join Tottenham Hotspur on a permanent basis uh, last summer. But the idea of moving back to London, the idea of having uh, the guarantee almost of a starting place in another elite Premier League club is extremely attractive to him. It's whether or not Manchester City, of course, would want to see him play for a rival with regards to um Champions League placings, title, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Duncan, this is um it's a complicated situation. Can you see any outcome which is going to satisfy both club and player? Or do you reckon that perhaps sterling's just simply gonna to have to bite his tongue and
1: bite his time? I think the outcome which will satisfy both club and player is if he continues being selected for games like the one against Paris Saint-Germain in midweek. and He scores goals um, and he plays himself back into being a starter for Pep Guardiola. That, that will satisfy Raheem Sterling, that will satisfy Chiki Berghiristan, that will satisfy Pep Guardiola. Um, obviously, um, if he feels going into the second half of the season, that's going to be like the first half of the season, where his, his playing time is extremely limited. Um, where he's failing to perform for the main part in front of goal on the field, then the pressure from Sterling to resolve that situation. The only the realistic resolution he, he's not going to force. He's not the, the club are not going to force Guardiola to play him um, if he can't force from his performances uh, a place in the team, then. I can see why he asks for a, a high profile loan to another champions league club. And obviously Barcelona have been pushing the, the idea that they want to sign Sterling for months now, um, but I've equally been pushing the idea that they can't afford a significant transfer fee and they would like to do it in the, in the form of a loan. So that would suit Barcelona. If Sterling's not playing at Manchester City, it would suit Raheem Sterling, would allow him to fulfil an ambition he's long held to play in Spanish football, put him into a club with a higher profile than Manchester City's, albeit that their uh, their current um, state of disrepair is, is immense and, and it's a, a problem club to move to, I think that would be a good solution for Raheem Sterling. Whether Manchester City would approve that move, however, I have major doubts about. Um, find it hard to see circumstances in which Guardiola says, yes, um, I allow one of my uh, top players to join um, another Champions League club and, and allow him to be removed from my list of options. Um, as I chase that Champions League trophy that Abu Dhabi have demanded I win. The reason I was brought to this club, the one I need to win to prove um, my status Um by winning it for the first time outside Barcelona he may not want to start Sterling on a regular basis but I don't see any circumstances in which he's prepared to let the guy let the player a, a, a capable talented player leave mid-season um, rather than keep him in a squad uh, and use him as and when it suits him to use him
0: So let's expect um, free Rahim posters then at the Etihad <laughs> Um time now. <laughs> or maybe not at the Etihad, maybe at other clubs, um, given that I'm sure the fans agree with uh, Pep Guardiola on this one with regards to retaining his services just in case they're needed. Um, another uh, player who is both in demand at his current club, and also with others, Duncan, is Andreas Christensen, uh, who uh, is out of contract uh, in a few months with Chelsea. Uh, We have reported on um, Thomas Tuchel's uh, tactical approach with regards to renewing contracts for his defence. Clearly, uh, he was uh, sceptical, let's just say, the options he had when he took over At this time last season, before winning the Champions League, and of course, now uh, three points ahead in the Premier League table. Uh, Christensen is someone who has been playing regularly beside Thiago Silva, who we know has a limited shelf life and whose contract expires at the end of this season. But Christensen is now seen as a starting uh, centre back, one who uh, uh, certainly rates. And wants to retain, it's our information that a breakthrough has been made in contract negotiations with Christensen and his representatives and that a deal to make sure that he signs an extension to his contract is effectively been verbally agreed, which of course would be good news for Chelsea, good news for Tuchel, good news for Christensen as well. In the current climate, Duncan, given the fees that are being bandied around for um, players who are playing in defence at the highest level, this would clearly represent a bit of a coup with regards to retaining Christensen's services, as well as the fact that Chelsea wouldn't have to invest again in the market, uh, which is inflated in that way. Um, uh other play other parts of the team needing investment
1: i think tuchel's got the best out of christensen um I, i've always had reservations about him he personally i see him as a, as a player who is quite um prone to losing focus and making mistakes in games but under tuchel he has looked a superior defender um I would add to that, that it's easier to look a superior defender under Tuchel because he has the team as a whole set out in a very strong um, defensive shape. They they are extremely difficult to score against. Um, that's the the fundamental element of their success. Um, they don't cede many chances to the opposition and they tend to nick one or two in a game. And uh, and I've, I've on an st- extraordinary run of results because of that. I was talking to a coach this week about Chelsea's defence and, and the way the team plays. And, and interestingly, he picked out Thiago Silva as being the outstanding player in the defence and the one that if he was coaching there, he would insist that they extend his contract because he thinks he made the, he's made the difference to the way they operate him and Rüdiger as a, as a, a a fundamental pair um in the defence, their physicality, their aggressiveness of play, um, their decision making in terms of positioning, he thinks is is the most important element of of why um the back three is far more solid than the, the defences that Frank Lampard um put out uh previous to to Tuchel coming in. So I'm intrigued to see whether um, Chelsea go and renew Thiago Silva for another season on top of um, keeping Christensen and and hopefully keeping Rudiger as well.
0: I don't think anyone's ruled out um, the idea of retaining Silva for another season at Chelsea. Um, clearly, physically, um, he's able to continue playing at that level. Um, and at the moment, it's interesting, Duncan, that the way you have described him, uh, he clearly places the last line of defence, uh, whereas Rüdiger and Christensen push on to strikers. Uh, Diego Silva uh, is one who remains to be uh, the one who makes the tackle at the last gasp or indeed intercepts the ball, as we've seen uh, against Juventus in the Champions League this week, but also week in, week out as well. Now, um, Physically, mentally, uh, his football intelligence, etc., are all first class. So, therefore, um, the idea that he can play another year is, is not in doubt. It's just about whether Chelsea decide to invest um, otherwise with regards to the future. On the basis that Silva will come to a point where you know he won't be able to compete at the same level he has been doing for the two seasons he's been at Stamford Bridge. So yes, um, I think Renee and Christensen, uh, Rudica as well, as well as the fact that obviously they have um, disposed of other defenders in the meantime, but they have two incredible wing-backs in Reese James and Ben Chilwell, who um, recently joked about the fact that they're the highest scorers and the first eleven uh four and three goals respectively um and that makes a big difference as well this being the second transfer window podcast of the week and we are going to award the donkey Duncan you have been taken by the idea uh not the idea, the the fact that Kylian Mbappe has um, cooperated in uh, producing a comic book version of his life and career in football. Um, he's not the first, and he certainly won't be the last footballer to uh, to immortalise himself uh, in such a way. So, therefore, we're going to dedicate the Donkey Award to. Footballers who have uh, opted to um, take the step of uh, both endorsing and um, allowing themselves to become, uh, let's just say, icons in certain other areas than football. So, Duncan, I'm going to open the golden envelope and, of course, I'm going to let you decide as always and judge the donkey award. Let me just get the uh, here we are. Yeah, we've got the uh, envelope here. Start. We'll put up the seal. There we go. Right. So as mentioned, Duncan uh first nomination is killing him papi for his is it do we think it's dc or marvel i'm not sure uh for his uh version of his career so far um i love to think of him in uh and please don't you know interpret this as some kind of fetish <laughs> but killing him in the batman uh, outfit with <laughs> his uh, eight abs <laughs> um for uh, his particular portrayal as a a cartoon character the second nomination has to be uh, the classic um, sculpture of the great cristiano ronaldo which was unveiled of course home of madeira um, which infamously looked nothing like him and had to be remodeled uh, in order to satisfy the great one Um, with regards to the way that he was portrayed. And the third, and probably comic rather than comical, would be uh, Paolo Di Canio, who famously had a um, bust of himself installed at his home in East London. (laughs) (laughs) Dedicated to himself, the great one. Paolo Di Canio, uh, which his children could obviously bend their knee and worship uh, uh, when they passed by on their way into the house. So uh, Duncan, please,
1: uh, Regale is with the winner of this week's donkey. Well, I'm devastated that Brendan Rogers has been removed from the from the candidates list for that uh, that self-portrait that portrait he had of himself in his house that was... Um, uh, displayed for all to see in the in the documentary that was made about Liverpool season when he was in charge but um, Paolo to be Deca- fair you,
0: you you just reinstalled it <laughs>
1: <laughs> Paolo decanio um, seems a, a good substitute there um, Cristiano Ronaldo uh, yes a disastrous statue that um, that the that public response resulted in it being uh, melted down and, and remade but yeah um, I think I think Kylian Mbappe uh, deserves this one cuz it's, it's it's such a good idea to to do an autobiography rather than as written word as cartoon and he's he's um hired one of France's leading cartoonists Faro to put the book together um I've seen some of the illustrations they are beautiful I, I, but the idea was um to make it accessible to children um, to show how he as a as a, as a child fell in love with football and, and pushed himself, um, way ahead of, of schedule into, um, into elite football teams. There's a, there's a, a an interesting panel where he, he, uh, where it describes the time he was, he had at Monaco when, as a 15 year old, um, when he was part of the under 17 Monaco team and the coach wasn't letting him play and he was, uh, refusing to go to training. Uh, because he he was so upset that he wasn't getting a game under this coach and and his mother and him go to Louis campus who was the the technical director at Monaco at the time and and say you're going to have to let us leave because Killian wants to play football and he's not getting to play football and, and Louis campus um goes to the coach of the uh, the under 17 Team and says, um, well, If you're not going to let Killian play, I'll find another coach because it's easy enough to find coaches of your quality. It's very, very hard to find players of Killian's quality and ends up promoting him into the under 19 team instead of the uh, the under 17 team. And he scores a hat trick in his first game there. But I think also very important here, given the, the timing and given what's going on with Paris Saint Germain and Real Madrid, is the number of times you see Killian Mbappe. Um, Associated with Real Madrid as a child, uh, getting a Real Madrid shirt as a Christmas present, uh, receiving a, I think as a birthday present a 3D model of the Santiago Bernabeu. I, I, he's telling his story there, but he's also sending a very direct message out um, to Paris Saint Germain about where he wants to be uh, next season, and um, so he gets his his donkey to add to his uh, his long list of. Uh, of football's top trophies.
0: I have to say, Duncan, at this point, from a personal point of view, that as an eight-year-old, my dad brought me back a Real Madrid kit from when Celtic played in the Santiago Bernabeu in the European Cup and uh, failed to defend a 2-0 lead in the European Cup, as it used to be called. Uh, Lost 3-0 and... um, I still haven't had to call from Real Madrid, nor have I made a comic book about it. (laughs) However, I'm going to take that claim, aged 52, that Mm. I should be Real Madrid's number one striker, uh, or number nine, as it turns out. Uh, That has been uh, the Transfer Window podcast for this week, where, of course, we brought you the news before it became news. If you want to engage with us, please do on our social media platforms, which are Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at Transfer Podcast. Uh, Also find us on YouTube, just search at Transfer Window Podcast. And as you well know, all of you, and again, uh, Duncan, I extend our gratitude and thanks and appreciation for the feedback we've had um, in the last few days regarding our exclusive on the Ulti Sol Solskjaer sacking as well as our coverage of that subject over the last few months. We will be back next week and we'll be bringing you, of course, more news before it becomes news. And until then, thanks for listening, stay safe and be well.